the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. Week 12 almost in the books. We've got our friend Herm Edwards, who's in a little bit of trouble in a tricky spot in Corvallis. I think we've got some Moneyline sprinkles uh, that had to do with that from the Locks episode. Uh, Oklahoma State currently trying to wrap things up with a, a goose egg on the board for Texas Tech in Lubbock as the Cowboys are trying to set up what could be one of the most monumental uh, editions of Bedlam that we've had. I've got 7.57 on the clock. If Texas Tech and the power of Joey McGuire mounts an incredible comeback, this will be your Texas Tech upset live reaction show. But other than that, uh, we've got a lot to get to here. Thanks to all of you that are watching live at youtube.com slash cover three. Do us a favor and smash that like button. Okay, uh, I think we might have some sports on subscriptions or merch. Maybe we've got something to give away. Go ahead and get that counter up and uh, then maybe we'll we'll set a mark and see if we can uh, make one of our live viewers very happy. For those of you who are downloading the audio products, thank you very much. A reminder, if you want to get a question in for a mailbag episode, do so by leaving us a five star review uh, at the Cover Three podcast. Uh, listen. Not a day where there was a flood of upsets. Not a day where there was uh, a flood of you know wild finishes. Though we did have some. Shout out to our UTSA Roadrunners, our Pirates taking down the Naval Academy, um, and if, if there might have been more from the uh, the later slates too. I've, I've kind of been in my uh, my own little work hole here, but I I think that I would like to start with one of the most stunning like gasps of a result and not because it was a pick that went wrong, but I do think there's some sticker shock from 56 to seven. And I think there is some sticker shock specifically that all of college football had looking at 49 to nothing. Even if you were an AP voter, even if you were a college football playoff selection committee member who had no association, like you're already worried about your team's game. You just, you know, you pull open your phone or you look at your laptop and you're like, Holy cow. Ohio State has had seven possessions and they've scored seven touchdowns. They're up 49 to nothing at halftime in a top 10 game. <laughs> uh, that's not supposed to happen. And again, I, I'm really trying to make sure that my bias is not in this, but I mean, Tom, you live blogged this game for CBS Sports. Like, I, I just think that it is one of those results that really, um, is going to make everyone rethink the Buckeyes in a way where you're not comparing Ohio State to those like three, four, five teams. You're like, all right, so when's Ohio State get to play Georgia? Yeah. 
I mean, that was, yeah, that's pretty much my takeaways. It's like, I kind of really want to see Georgia versus Ohio state now, because if they're genuinely is an offense out there that I think could really stress Georgia and put Georgia in an uncomfortable situation, a situation it has not been in yet. I think Ohio State definitely can do it. But then again, I'm sure we're going to talk to it too based on the way Alabama's offense looked today. But of course, it was against Arkansas. We always have to put that caveat on there. But I I don't know. I, I, I feel like what we're seeing starting with Ohio State is the elite teams are kind of just starting to be elite again. Like it's, it's one of those things you do every single year where we talk ourselves into these like upstarts when the rankings first start coming out, like, you know, late October, early November. And then by the time the year's over, it's like, Oh no, it's the same teams. It's the teams we knew it was going to be all along, but your question was more about Ohio state, I think. So I'll go back to that. This was just a butt kicking from absolute start to finish. I had thought like last week the the Ohio State offense looked its best and it had looked all season, but they still gave up a bunch of points to produce. So I wasn't entirely convinced that this team had flipped the switch. Turns out the defense just waited an extra week to do it because that was the most complete performance I have seen from Ohio State in at least two seasons, maybe Ooh. since the 2014 season. That was just a complete and utter domination in which they did anything they wanted Whenever the hell they wanted to do it defensively, they took Kenneth Walker out of the game and told Michigan State to try to beat it anywhere else, which has been the game plan for just about every team that Michigan State's gone against, and it hasn't worked. Ohio State was the first defense that was able to do it offensively. I mean, what the hell is there to say? C.J. Stroud, 32-35, 432 yards, six touchdowns. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 10 catches, 105 yards, a touchdown. Chris Olave, seven catches, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Garrett Wilson, seven catches, 126 yards, two touchdowns. It was just, it was incredible. It was like a, I, I like you, I was on Michigan State plus 19. I thought Ohio State was going to win the game. I didn't think it was going to be particularly close or all that thrilling, but I didn't think it was going to be a 49-point blowout either. So I, I I totally agree with Tom as far as like they looked you know about as good as they've looked in I, I think two years is is probably right. I mean, this is what we we talked about when they get off the bus conversation that we had a month or two ago. CJ Stroud to me looks a little bit healthier, you know, just the the, the way he's moving, he looks more confident throwing the football. Thirty two of thirty five on the day, like that's have a day, CJ. Okay, like that. That doesn't suck for 432 and six tutties, a 70% success rate throwing the football. <laughs> now, I think Ohio State is the one team that can really give Georgia some real problems with, with their offense. I do want to point this out, though, because I'm the guy that's supposed to keep be, you know, be tracking be tracking injuries and stuff. And Michigan State fooled me here a little bit. I did not bet them, but like had I known more of this, I probably would have bet Ohio State, to be honest. So top two receivers were out. Missing two offensive linemen. One of those guys was a surprise. Apparently, you know, Kenneth Walker kind of dinged up. Whatever on that one. Uh, missing a corner, mi- missing a safety, missing a starting D tackle, and then uh, yeah, I was going to say, who's the duck? Like, because yeah, and then Crouch, very clearly a their duck transfer backer. Yeah, yeah, their, their, their transfer linebacker Crouch comes in with a big old knee brace, and I was like, oh god, this is uh, this is Ohio State team total live if you can find it, um, and. Look, I, I'm extremely impressed with Ohio State. Do not want that to like like take away at all. I just want to note here: if Michigan State is a little more full strength, 
I, th- I think they blow them out. I don't know if they blow them out 49 nothing in the first half. But they, they went out there, they took advantage of it, and they absolutely smoked their ass. And that was really impressive. I thought Michigan State, uh, uh, Tom, you might have put this thought in my head, but it resonated. I thought Michigan State was, what you said, playing tight. I thought that was a good good description of what we saw. I mean, they they came in, and then all of a sudden, what do you have to do? You're pressing. like You are in an entirely different mindset in terms of the way that you're going to react following this offensive explosion. I'm, I'm trying to believe that Michigan State is still as good as I thought Michigan State was and also understanding that, <laughs> that Ryan Day found a duck. You know, like I saw Brian Hartline, the wide receivers coach, just like cackling on the sidelines with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And I was trying to lip read and I'm really bad at lip reading, but my bad lip reading was saying, Oh yeah. 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 And when he does this, then I do that. And then they all start laughing together. You know, like they're just basically laying out the different ways that they are fooling the past defense for Michigan state, a group that already was prone to give up uh, some yards through the, through the aerial attack and now faces the best wide receiver room in the country. I was I, th- I think Ohio State has created um, a lot of momentum heading into that Michigan game, but when it faces Michigan, it will be a new challenge for C.J. Stroud. You will not have the kind of time under, like you will not have the kind of time to wait for those crossing routes and those deep routes to develop. Like I was like, I'm just going to sit back because soon Chris Olave is going to have him beat, and yeah, now he's got 10 yards of separation, 45 yard touchdown pass. Like that's not going to be there. So I'm. I'm not going to overreact in a major way for the Buckeyes. I still think it's going to be a challenge against the Wolverines next week. Completely agree. I mean, like Michigan can get some pressure without blitzing on these guys. The issue is just going to be, can Michigan score, right? Can they score enough to, to where Ohio State ever feels any kind of pressure? Now, Oregon could, and Oregon really couldn't score tonight. So who knows? It, it is possible to score on this Ohio State defense, but this, this defense for Ohio State has been better since they switched D coordinators or uh, play callers rather after game two or, or game three or whatever game that was chip, you, you made an interesting comment. I wanted to ask you about, you said, I, I, you know, I, I want to think Michigan state is as good as I thought they were like in your personal power ratings, whether it's written down or, or, you know, just on your own list or maybe in your head or whatever, what, what level do you think Michigan state was coming into this game? Were they like a top 15, top 20, top 30 type team for you? Well, um, the power rating system uh, got cooked. Uh, did I tell y'all got this? No. I told you I started the season. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this as like an exercise. I've never done it before. I know that you guys both do your own numbers. I wanted to really put it in my own process. I started, you know, like, you know, eight, nine games over 500 for the first couple weeks. And you know what started happening? The more that Bud started saying on the Cover 3 podcast, the numbers are getting sharper. As he continued to say that, well, guess what? My winning percentage went down with my numbers. <laughs> so you know what I did? I scrapped the system, okay? <laughs> we went back to the same tried and true process that we've been doing for decades in the way that we look at this. It was an informative process. I'm very glad I did it. So my rankings right now are more about deserve than best. They are less sure. power rankings, and they are a little bit more you know, uh, resume rankings. And I still think Michigan State's a top 15 team. Do you have them at 22? Uh, I had them 19 going into the day, so we're not that far off. Yeah, I had them at 17. 
So that was that was kind of my read there. I just I I do think that what that team has shown when everything is clicking is really really impressive. The, how about this? Um, uh, unplanned grab the wheel. I apologize for this. No, I don't. Uh, Utah brought up the conversation of like, damn, Utah's just really good. And Michigan State gave me some Utah-like moments. The feeling that we had watching Utah just kick Oregon's ass today is something that Michigan State has done on the road at Miami. It is something that Michigan State has done uh, in key parts of the season, the comeback against Michigan. That's what sort of gives me that confidence in Michigan State, to which I say, now that we've got Utah with this thunderous win uh, against Oregon, Clearly, there's some college football playoff uh, ramifications. Is that as interesting as what do we do with Utah? I mean, I, I think this is a situation where, like, Utah would be a team I don't really want to face in a 12-team playoff. Like, tonight's game would have been really damn interesting if we had a 12-game playoff because this team started 1-2 and two, and since then has been somewhere between an elite and pretty damn good. Now, they had the weird hiccup last week against Arizona, which did concern me a little bit. And, hey, I'm the dummy. I'm the one that that talked crap about Oregon all year, said, hey, nice win against Ohio State. The other 10 games, not super impressive. They continue to win. I ended up betting Oregon and actually found a four, by the way, on Friday. So took that, uh, lost that, obviously. Utah's like like a pretty physical team. The offensive line has gelled together nicely. Cam Rising's doing a really good job for them. They actually play a little more tempo. Uh, with him in there as well. And, like, they can get to the line and bust you that way. The defense with Devin Lloyd flying around has been pretty good. Like, that would be a team I would not want to play. I mean, I had them – I know the comment section is like, where, where do you where do you move them up to? I had them 12th that are entering the day. They're going to be so, top 10 after this weekend. Like, I think they're, they're one of the best 10 teams in the country for sure right now, mm-hmm. or at least, like, over the last two months. Yeah, I think the biggest news for Utah is they might be picking up a new fan because wifey's been trialing them. Wifey liked them tonight. She didn't like the uniforms, hey man, but she liked wearing gray sweatpants out there. Is she a fan of the gray sweatpants, Tom? <laughs> I, you know what? I do wear a lot of gray sweatpants around the house. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe she's turned on by the look that they had tonight because she sees my sexy ass walking around the house like this all the time, and she sees them, them doing it on the field. It's going to get to her. What were those helmets? Did, did they? I don't know. They the were broadcast? like they were. I, I all I heard was they were individually painted. Like I know that the actual uniforms themselves were supposed to be for the USS Salt Lake City, but the helmets, I don't know what they symbolized. I just know they were individually painted, but I'm assuming they symbolize something. Individually painted meaning like somebody painted all, all of them, not like every, everyone is different for each player. I think they were different too. Oh wow. Hmm. Huh, that's they pretty look cool. different. All right. And they will all be available for auction to benefit Utah football. No, I don't know. I'm just guessing. That's normally what happens in these situations. You know what Utah should do is Utah should send each of us a helmet. Oh, the helmet was a painting of a ship. The USS Salt Lake City. Oh, the ship. Okay. Yeah. Because we got to compete with Danny when it comes to helmets. He's way ahead of us. See, if you watch a bunch of games at once, like you have most, most of the TVs are on mute. And I didn't need sound on my TV to see the ass whipping. The Utah was putting Aurora. It's like, okay, everybody but Thibodeau, move on back from the line of scrimmage. All right. And then repeat. And then Oregon, somehow with 11 seconds left, doesn't punt the ball out of bounds and they punt it to the like the best punt returner in the Pac 12. Yeah. That, yeah. That got secondary screen treatment in the second half. 
Yeah, I, I will say though for Kayvon Thibodeau, like that dude when they were done, he was still playing his ass off on every single snap, even when his team had no shot in hell of coming back. So I, I love that kid. He's well, pretty cool. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also like I'm I'm not guessing his motivation, but I mean all eyes are on him. <laughs> yeah, but it's, we've seen plenty of players who look at that and say, well, I got to think about my NFL future and decide that the option is I'm going to go sit over here on the bench and not get hurt, whereas his team's down 28 and he's getting down on all four and going after the quarterback every single snap. Hey, being an all-22 all-star, that'll get you the number one overall pick. He's going to be. Without a doubt. Is he? When do you start doing mock drafts, by the way? Soon as the season ends, Chip. Okay. Well, actually, no. As soon as the Super Bowl ends, the NFL season is when they have me start. But well, I um, start doing it after the season. Uh, college football fans love to Google college football playoff rankings on Sundays. And so it's always important for us to put together a segment that we can put college football playoff rankings in the headline of as a breakout video. And so uh, for the college football playoff rankings expectations, like I clearly Oregon's going to be out, like not going to be in the top four. But when you start to think about the way that it moves in, it, it opens up the door for the ultimate Cincinnati debate. And Cincinnati showed up with an awesome win, like 48 to 14 against SMU for, you know, all the, the commentary around, you know, where we think SMU is um, it, a team that loses to the better teams and beats up on the bad ones. But you know what? You do stack a lot of wins that way. And, you know, they beat up on TCU this year, got that rivalry win. But still, that result, start to finish, dominant the entire way, very impressive early. I think it was 27 to nothing uh, early on. And I just, I think that that kind of thorough result, especially um, in the wake of, Tom, you said something on CBS Sports HQ today where you just, you go back in a further review of Cincinnati's resume. Isn't Cincinnati playing down to its competition? It's Cincinnati beating its competition, just not with the kind of scoreboard results that you like. But in the flow of the game, none of Cincinnati's opponents have felt like they've had a chance during this run of air quote disappointing performances. So Cincinnati's going to be in the top four of the college football playoff rankings, right? No. Cincinnati's <laughs> excellent performance today is going to earn it a number five spot in the rankings on Tuesday night behind Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan. Those That's going to be your top four. There's, there's no debate about it. Cincinnati won't be in. Cincinnati beating SMU, kicking its ass, will not be enough for it to overcome the fact that Michigan beat the crap out of a Power 5 team on the road. Not in the committee's eyes. I, I'm, I'm worried that Tom is right. I'll also say, good job on all of us for not try, trying to, like, you know, buy low on... on, on against Cincinnati yet again, like like the time to bet against Cincinnati was probably this last month. They they really whipped him. That, that was awesome. I I don't know, man. Like, do we really give him credit for beating Maryland? Like, Maryland once they lost his two receivers. The committee will. And Mike Loxley's <laughs> still their coach. So, like, I, I don't know, dude. I'm The committee yeah. is going to say they got a – they won by, like, what, 31 or maybe even 38, 39, something like that, on the road against a Big Ten team. They're going to say that is more impressive than Cincinnati beating SMU at home. Some real pretzel logic. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Ohio State's loss is worse and Michigan's loss is worse. Well, Cincinnati doesn't have a loss. No, Michigan's loss to Michigan State is worse. Ohio State's loss to Oregon is worse. And so I'm just saying. I get what you're saying. Um, Yeah, that that doesn't mean. 
It doesn't mean a damn thing, dude. What are you talking about? It's they're they're a group of five team. They're not going to put them in unless they like everybody dies. Then they'll put Cincinnati in. Unless that happens, it's going to be Michigan and Ohio State. Now things could change after next week because oh, it just so happens Michigan and Ohio State play next week. So one of them's going to get knocked out. And it's like we've talked about. They're not going to put Cincinnati in the top four because then they have to justify removing them from the top four. Whereas if they never put them in. Well, we never thought they were good enough to begin with. I, I do think, though, that Cincinnati's odds today improved somewhat yes. because Danny's, Danny's scenario, which I don't think was that crazy when he said it, and was he probably deserves more credit for, for pointing it out when he did, I don't think it's going to play out at this point because Bama had a pretty narrow win over Arkansas, right? And Auburn tonight lost again. So I do not think that the odds of the two-loss non-champ Bama are anywhere near as good as they were when Danny said it at the time. So that was definitely a threat sent to Cincinnati. Obviously, Oregon was a threat to Cincinnati. Um, I, I just I don't think SC is going to get two teams in now unless Bama beats Georgia. How do you feel about the Big Twelve? You know, I think uh, Oklahoma State. I'm guessing just went final. Yeah. Um, you know, Baylor goes on the road and and like. The game itself was... The only upset of the day, Chip, in the top 25. We had one upset, and it was a one-point favorite losing. Um, Everything else was shocked. Did Texas Tech ever cross 100 yards of offense? No, I've been monitoring this. Uh, They were at 69. (laughs) I think they're still at 69. They were at 85 when the show started. Oh, then uh, game on paper is not up. Oh, 95, Tom. Oh, so close. So close. Maybe next week, guys. That quarterback for, for Texas Tech, Donovan Smith, has some nice tools. But it's sort of in like a Joe Milton type way at this point. Like it's nowhere near ready to translate against a good defense, which Iowa State, shame on you for last week for, for allowing them to, to beat you with, with, with that. So, <laughs> um, what about Oklahoma's 28 to 21 win against Iowa State? Oklahoma State just pitches a, a shutout against Texas Tech, as you all just mentioned. And the, the Baylor win. Had Skylar Thompson go down? Had Jerry Bohannon go down? Both teams are down to their backup quarterbacks. Missed field goals all over the place. Turnovers all over the place. Special teams mistakes all over the place. You know, that's, that's that was a lock loss, but I think I knew early on that whatever happened was going to be like either deserved or undeserved. The game script that I thought was going to play out was out the window very quickly, and, uh, and I... I, I will take that L and sit here impressed. Again, I guess I give it to Dave Aranda and I give it to Jeff Grimes and I give it to that Baylor coaching staff because they still found ways to hit a couple uh, big key third down, some explosive plays in the second half that helped just sort of keep Kansas State at a distance. There's no one really in that Baylor defense individually when I watch them on the field against the better teams who looks all that physically impressive. But man, they're always like, in position or have their timing right or something. It's just, it seems to be a group that uh, on both sides of the ball, I, I give this tough road win in Manhattan on senior day, even knowing that both of our quarterbacks and Skylar Thompson for my money would be more impactful to team success than Jerry Bohannon. I don't know if you all feel the same about that or not, but yeah, I would agree. Like Thompson's the key to is not that much above replacement level for me personally. Um, I, I still think that that was an awesome win for Baylor. I, I think that we could see Baylor um, 
Baylor start to really round into form where you're like, okay, maybe that is the Big 12 representative, which isn't a college football playoff team, but still might be the Big 12 champion. I don't think it can be the Big 12 champion now, though. I think with Oklahoma State winning it. I Are they set that, for a rematch now? I think that now? sets where it's a rematch uh, now. I think Baylor needs – I'm not 100% sure, so I could be wrong, but I think that's what had to, they needed Oklahoma State to lose tonight. Apologies to Kyle Boone, Strongjaw, Kyle Porter, and uh, and all my Oklahoma State people out there, but isn't that kind of gross? The Oklahoma-Oklahoma State double, the head-to-head. Like when we, You know what? How about this? This is some real American Athletic Conference type crap, okay? You get this in the AAC where you get the teams that play on the last week of the regular season and like maybe tank, but maybe don't. You can't tell if the the coaches are, are leaving anything in terms of game plan to the side and saving it for the championship. And now we're going to have like two heady coaches like Gundy and Riley going after it. Gross. I don't like it. All right. Let, let me ask you a question. This is similar to the question that we, we asked for Wake and Clemson. Is the gap bigger between the Oklahoma State defense and the Oklahoma or and the Oklahoma defense, or the Oklahoma offense, and the Oklahoma State offense, and in which directions? Right, right it, now defense because the Oklahoma offense that we would say is uh, further ahead than the Oklahoma State offense it feels like a figment of my imagination. So I, I actually think like I the think worst unit the in this game is Oklahoma State's offense. Like I think Oklahoma's yeah. defense is pretty damn good now, guys. That's two weeks in a row they've been. Pretty dominant. Like Iowa State scored on on a real BS. Did you see that the the fumble through the end zone that they that they said was down at the one? Yes. I mean, like that was, and then they they, they scored one super late, obviously, and they actually had a chance to come back at that game super late. I, I thought Oklahoma's defense last two weeks was kind of solved or fixed, and I, I like going into this week, I think they're going to shut down Oklahoma State's offense. See, I, I think it's a hard question to answer because I get what you're saying, Chip, about like the difference in the offense and that Oklahoma's offense has been kind of stilted the last few weeks, like since the bye. And Oklahoma's defense has gotten a lot better the last few weeks. So I do feel like that gap's closing. But at the same time, Oklahoma State just held Texas Tech to 95 yards. And I know Texas Tech isn't very good, but it's like Oklahoma State's defense is pretty damn good. So I don't know, but I... I I think that in theory, it's supposed to be Oklahoma State's defense is a lot better than Oklahoma's defense, but now it's actually kind of an actual debate. Yeah, so, I, so I, I think what so. What happens in the double? Give, give me your uh, Bedlam and Big 12 championship and like no spreads or anything. I, I just want to hear winners. Cowboys win next week. Sooners win in the title game. Big 12 uh, misses the playoff. Sooners win by... A little bit this week. Sooners win by a lot in the Big 12 title game. Sooners win the Big 12 and go to the playoff. All right. Now, here's what happens. Whoever wins next week, the Big 12. It's Bedlam. You know who wins this. It's Oklahoma. I, I do, but Either I'm by just a little saying, or by a I lot think, or by a medium amount, but they win I, it. I agree. I just think and the way Oklahoma's looked the last few weeks, I don't think it's that much of a lock. I don't think there's that big of a difference. I think Oklahoma State might be the better overall football team. My only point is this. Whoever wins next week, the Big 12 will make sure that the refs then make sure that team wins again next week, too, because, damn it, they need to get somebody into the playoff. They're about to lose Oklahoma and Texas. They need to get this playoff money. The Big 12 has just named the Texas Tech announcers as the official announcers for Big 12 Radio. (laughs) Did you see Texas Tech honored those guys at the game tonight? 
Texas Tech honored the radio broadcast. They had like a moment at the stadium for the, of the radio broadcasters that were suspended for the game after listing the names of the referees last week and saying they were on the take. They had like a they honored them on the field. Not I don't know if it was on the field, but they had like a moment honoring them in the stadium. <laughs> Do you know who else awesome. got honored tonight, Tom? Uh, who? Dennis Erickson and the team that beat USC, which I think had to be in like two thousand and six. That was the. Dennis, like, is that 15 years ago? Are we that old? Yeah. Yes. Dennis Erickson's Arizona State teams had. Do you not feel lead. that old? No, this is the Oregon State team. Oh, but, oh, because it's Arizona that beat State. USC. Oregon State. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But no, going back, Erickson's Arizona State teams have to, like, be the most personal fouls in the history of college football, like, per year, like, especially when they had Vontae's perfect. It was like three oh, per Lord. game. Yeah. <laughs> you just built it into the handicap. Uh-huh. <laughs> Coming up I, on the I do other- think we may get one, by the way, from Arizona State tonight that like like is is painful because Oregon State's like hitting draws on third and twelve on them for first downs and, and this is um yeah. Let's just be let's be watching this. Sorry, Chip. Wait, like a, a result that's painful? No, I mean like, like a personal foul. Like that's pretty crippling. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. What's the score right now? It's ten nothing beavers. Oregon State's driving. Beavs yeah. got in the bag. Sprinkles on the lock. Speaking of sprinkles, y'all, we got to talk about what happened in Como. We got to talk about the Alpha Nerd and a lightsaber. We got to talk about the future of Florida football and Dan Mullen. And we'll get into all that and more next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So people have gotten a little bit too used to wearing sweatpants. Uh, Guilty. Uh, Absolutely guilty. Uh, Sure, I got to put aside uh, some of the nicer clothes when I was out and about more. But, you know, now that we're starting to get back out, it's important to be able to make sure that uh, I am up to date with all my sizes and that I'm up to date with all my fits and that, I'm just always looking great. I mean, that's how you feel confident. That's how you stand out. That's how you make sure that whether it's a work occasion, whether it's a social occasion, that you are going to be the best version of you. There's never been a better time to upgrade your look because Indochino has a Black Friday event with their lowest prices of the year on suits, shirts, outerwear, and more. Plus, you're going to save even more if you use the promo code COVER3. 
that trying to get to a showroom, I mean, get out of here. We don't have that kind of time with all the content that we bring you here on the Cover 3 podcast. But here at home, you know, just with a quick tape measure and with all of the ease of Indochino online, I am able to put in every single measurement and get perfectly customized suits. Indochino offers completely custom filled suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Get a wardrobe personalized to your style and taste without spending a fortune. Measure yourself on the website in just 10 minutes, then wear your suit out of the box in three to four weeks. Every piece is made to your exact measurements. And look, you can customize every detail. Choose everything about your suit, including fabric, lapel, monogram, and statement linings, and you can create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. And the best part, Indochino's suits start from just $299, and those shirts, they're only $45 with all customizations included. So get away from the video calls and get back into looking and feeling amazing. Indochino's Black Friday event runs through November, from November 8th, that's like already going on, until the 29th, so we still got more than a week left. So save even more and get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the promo code COVER3 at Indochino.com. The Indochino Black Friday event runs until November 29th, and you can save even more on top of that with $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the promo code COVER3 at Indochino.com. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code COVER3. Shout out to Jesse James for this one. He says, for what it's worth, fellas, Oklahoma has to beat Oklahoma State to make the Big 12 title game. If Oklahoma loses, they need Texas Tech to beat Baylor. If Oklahoma loses and Baylor wins, Baylor is in. So I'm going to take Jesse James's word for it. Although, Chip, you and I have not had great success getting hot tips from our viewers in the last week. I don't know who, if you're here, a guy who told us Tulane had quit, go away. That was, it was during the locks pod, right? No, it was during the early edge. Oh, okay. So we can blame Alan. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Who, whoever jumped into the live chat and said, um, I've got a family member who plays for Tulane. They've quit. Well, I guess that family member got his ass benched because all the other players sure <laughs> looks like they cared after USF went up a touchdown early and the wave came roaring back. Uh, gracious, that was a was a that was. We need to find ourselves a new tipster when it comes to the Tulane Green Wave. Uh, but anyway, I want to want to cash in on the tease, right? So Florida loses in overtime at Missouri. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz going for two to win the game, then shows up with the lightsaber it, with in one of those moments that you just kind of like hit your head and you'd be like, oh, that's right. It was the Missouri game when Dan Mullen did that whole Darth Vader uh, shtick. At the mm -hmm. time, I, had, I hadn't really associated it with Missouri. It was just more of a Dan Mullen thing. But clearly, Drinkwitz took himself some notes. I mean, you, listen, we call him the alpha nerd and he may like Star Wars, but. Yes, he does. Look at him. I mean, do, do you think that he had the lightsaber in the office already? Yes. He's probably okay. got like he's probably got some at home still in the original packaging because they're more valuable that way. But you know, does he have kids? 
Uh, I, w- I would have to look up his bio the same way I looked up Mel Tucker's on the fly the other day so I could name <laughs> his whole family and say they were disrespected. I was going to say maybe he opened one and said it was for the kids, but we all know who it was really for. So. Oh, I was thinking him and assistant coaches might actually have like eight lightsabers in the office and there's some uh, recruiting nights that just turn into all-out battles. But if for, all right, for Florida, did you get many eyes on this game? Uh, yeah, I saw, I didn't see much of the first half and boy, did I miss a lot? Cause it was nine to six at halftime, but I saw a lot of the second half because it seemed like a game that at the time was worth paying attention to because of the way things were going. So yeah, it was not a pretty football game. I think is the best way to describe it because Mizzou had only 286 yards of offense and it won. And it's not like Florida turned the ball over a bunch. It was just bad. Just dumb football it was it was a terrible game well that that seems to match uh the the colorado effort for uh least amount of offensive yards and a victory the, you know the honor that every single uh team hopes for i think the buffs were at it was 183 low. yards of total offense against Washington. Washington 426, Colorado 183, final score Colorado 20, Washington 17. But uh, the Gators, Bud, is this a situation where we clearly the Florida State game now is for bowl eligibility? But it feels like the conversation is not about bowl eligibility, it's about the future of the head coach. Is is Dan Mullen cooked at this point? I mean, is he is is he checked out? Do we move him on? Do we open up Florida and do we start talking about candidates at this point? I, I look, I I really don't know what they're going to do. Like like Florida's university president has problems of his own with the whole like their professors weren't allowed to speak, right? And they like their accreditation was getting looked at, and you know the AD has some issues of his own. I don't know if they really want to launch into a full scale coaching search, but the Bullgator boosters may not. Uh, give them that choice. They, they may just say, hey, we're, we're, we're done with this. It'll be interesting to see what the crowd's like there in Gainesville. I imagine you'll have some FSU fans buy some tickets, right? Like that, that FSU's playing hard. That's a team you can support. Florida just, like, honestly, their defense looked a lot better today, quite frankly. Now, part of that was Missouri had a bunch of guys out on the offensive line, apparently, and Basilak is being used on zone reads, and he, he can't run at all because he's coming back from injury. You know, they just don't look inspired, right? It looks, it looks like they're just playing out the string, and maybe maybe they already know something that, that I don't know. I wouldn't shock me if they, if they pulled a plug and made a move. Yeah, I I don't think he's going to get fired tomorrow. Oh, no. But well, like, why would you do it? I mean, who's going to be the head coach for the, for the FSU Yeah, game? you've already fired an offensive line coach. And That's what I'm saying. So it's How like, skeleton staff can you get? Like, I don't even... I, I mean that in the... I don't think he's in danger of being fired right now. Like, I don't think that's the plan. If they lose to Florida State next week, though, that could change things in a hurry. They might lose their recruiting class, though, if they fire Dan Mullen. Oh, well, okay. That's actually probably an argument to fire him. Well, it's can what classics like. It's not recruiting season yet. Hey, I'll talk about that when, it, when it's recruiting season, which means he may never have to talk about it <laughs> if they end up firing him, right? Is, is Dan Mullen already just thinking he's going to go to the NFL? See, uh, has Dan assistant on the Cowboys with Dak or something like that? <laughs> if, if, if if more, if, if the Dallas OC gets a job, 
Is Dan Mullen your OC on the Cowboys next year? Or if more gets promoted that. and they need a new OC. Are they? Is he doing poorly? I, I don't watch a ton of NFL. I, at no, least they're I, doing fine. Okay. But that's that's my favorite conspira- conspiracy theory right now because our managing editor, Adam Silverstein, who's a big Florida fan and a Florida grad, <laughs> was saying in Slack today, I'm convinced Mullen is tanking on purpose. <laughs> He's like, there's no, other ex- there's no other explanation for what is happening here. And I'm like, well, what's he tanking for? Like, the Virginia Tech job, and he's like, no, an NFL job. Maybe the players just don't like him. Like, may, may, maybe the culture he's established isn't, you know, something that is sustainable and pulls guys together during tough times. And, you know, may, maybe last year they had a really veteran team that was a lot of McElwain's players, you know, fourth and fifth year guys that, that Jim signed with a couple transfers, obviously, that Dan brought in and had a guy who got drafted by the NFL at quarterback and, and two pretty freakishly good receivers on it uh, that had a really nice year in a COVID year and still lost four games. Like, I, I don't know. Man, you don't look like that if there's not some kind of cultural issue. Also, I don't know if you mentioned this when, when my internet was out, but how about Richardson pulling off the Florida stuff off his Twitter bio? Yeah. Like, you want to get Florida fans pissed off? That's the thing, because they, they know Emory Jones ain't it. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm, I can't I can't be account watching. And let's... I'll leave. I'll leave. It's leave one of the signs, man, in the transfer portal era. I know. If, if the bio goes, I got. I got to be a read and react on that it's one. It's like it's like remember like way back in the early Facebook days where it would be like in relationship or not in relationship or it's complicated. These days, it's the Instagram. Once that stuff comes out of the bio, that is a monumental moment in the life of a college kid. Hey, Those do y'all want to give away? Uh, do y'all want to give away some swag? I do. All wait, right. wait. What kind of swag? Uh, TBD. Here's the deal. Oh, Coconut said a shirt and slack. We've got a lot, a lot of people who are watching this show right now, and not that many people have actually smashed that like button. If we get to 500 likes, we'll give away some swag. So go ahead and get on it, do your duty, and smash that like button. Can if, I win? If it's cover three, yeah. Can I win? Because I'm not going to spend money at my own company store, and they still haven't sent me a shirt yet for cover three. So I would like to smash the like button and actually win it. And I think Tom's probably the same mindset. Uh, I need. They still don't. I, I need a hoodie. That's all. I've got the t-shirt. I just want a hoodie too. But Elliot's testimonial does not represent all customers' experience. <laughs> <laughs> um. So hey, Bud, you were tweeting a lot. Uh, no, you and Tom were both uh, not tweeting, texting a lot about uh, Miami, Virginia Tech. I was scrambling, trying to uh, finish all of my HQ and editorial duties, get ready for this podcast. I did not watch a lick of it. Inform me, because as we have this discussion about, you know, Florida and is Florida going to move on from Dan Mullen? Are you going to jump into this, you know, crowded coaching pool? We we still got we still got Miami out there, and you know, we had Manny Diaz kind of on that weekly watch and. It seems as though maybe he is not going to get fired if there's not going to be a, uh, an athletic director in place, but yet we've also got the U Health connection, which is going to free up some more financial ability to invest in football. Someone is trying to scoop that Lane Kiffin would come if offered. You know, I, I don't even think we talked about that here on the, on the podcast, but I, I don't think Manny Diaz should ever feel safe. Manny Diaz might be the head coach at the start of the 2022 season, and I don't think he should feel safe. He should feel like every week is coaching for his job. What did you see from the Hurricanes? You know what Manny Diaz has that Dan Mullen doesn't? 
a quarterback. Because yeah. Tyler Van Dyke, I mean, he's not, he wasn't super efficient tonight. He was only 19 of 33, but 357 yards, three touchdowns, 18.8 yards per completion. Like this, Miami's got like a big arm quarterback who can move the ball down the field vertically and make some NFL kind of throws. And that's not something that Miami's had a lot of in recent iterations. And I think that if Manny survives this year and he gets to start next year on the hot seat or whatever, if Van Dyke is playing the way he's been playing to close out the season, this is a team that, you know, we're not, we're not going to pay. Well, we'll probably overhype them in the preseason because that's oh, what we I'm do. Ready. But I'm just saying, I think that they've finally solved a problem possibly that they've had a real difficult time figuring out lately. I mean, look, I, I think Tom nailed it. To, to quick recap on the game, Miami looked really good early. They were outscoring points. Vatek did not. Um, then the skies opened up like crazy, and it started to rain. And, and, and the Dolphins are very lucky they don't play a home game tomorrow because that field got destroyed. And then Virginia Tech switched quarterbacks. Burmeister went out. Uh, Connor uh, Blumrick, or whatever the heck his name is. I forgot the pronunciation there. He comes in. He's more of a runner. Vatek hits a couple drives. With him, they get a surprise onside kick, which was genius in the rain. Miami had like no shot to recover. The guy drilled it. Uh, Vatek recovers that. They go down and score. They actually had a shot to take the lead in this thing, I think. Miami got a horrendously bad spot in its favor on a fourth and one from like its own 35 ish. It gets the spot. It's a gift. They go down to score. They never really look back. The difference was quarterback, I think, for the most part. Yeah, like the ability to push the ball down the field. And hit those explosives, you know? Like, Miami is not that bad of a team this year. No. They're not what they were, like, preseason expectations. But I'm sorry, you you got Bama'd, and then... You got got Michigan State when Michigan State was still very good. Yeah. And that was back when you were trying to play King. You didn't really know what you had in Van Dyke. And King was clearly hurt. You know who else wasn't playing? Jalen Knighton. Four-game suspension to start the season. That's right. Yeah. No, that's I, that's why I think Miami should keep Manny Diaz because I think next year you've actually got a pretty decent team, and I don't know if you want to kind of upset the apple cart right now just because you're you know you're only going to be seven and five or whatever this year. Do well, we I all like- agree if Cristobal actually does want this, like if these Miami fan pipe dreams actually turn out to be true, and then he wants out of Oregon and he wants to get back to South Florida, we all agree you make that move though, right? Like if he'll say yes, you go. Well, here's the thing. I think here, Cristobal's process, I would approve of the way that he recruits. But is he going to be able to have at his disposal at Miami what he what he's gotten at Oregon and what he's used to help recruit? Because unless Miami's going to give him all that, then no, I don't. Oh, think Tom, you must have missed the player panel. Oh, the multi generational <laughs> player panel took place on Wednesday night, and one of the three main talking points that came out of that was quote unlimited budget. Uh, but they also want Miami alumni oversight in recruiting evaluations and offers. So they want, seriously, this was basically a, a three-hour, let's pat ourselves on the back, smoke some cigars, talk about how good we used to be fast. And then the suggestions for, for brew the program are unlimited budget, and we want to evaluate the recruits. And I forgot what the other one was because I was still laughing at, at the first two. Um, candy. Unlimited candy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's... But no, I, I just think that like 
I, I, Mario Cristobal recruits very well. I just don't know that if he's not given the same tools to do what he's able to do at Oregon, is he like that great of a coach where he's a huge and obvious upgrade over what Manny Diaz is doing? I, I don't know. Rhett Lashley has done a, a good job with the offense over the last two years. You know, I thought that Bud's statement about how the transfer portal would descend on that program so like quickly and viciously uh, was was very prescient. Right, Wake falls at Clemson. Clemson top twenty five team. Yeah, it will be now. I was surprised it wasn't last week, but now that they picked up a win over what was Wake ranked tenth. Didn't get a single vote in the AP poll. Yeah, well, hipsters. We've talked about this before. The hipsters don't like to jump on. Like they were, they were ready to sell the Clemson stock so quickly. Clemson, Clemson is cold play to these people. They could put out an amazing album filled with brilliant music, but since they're Clemson, no, we're not going to rank them. When Dabo had to pay up for the pizza party is the moment that he broke. That was the moment that anybody who liked Clemson on the way up had to sell their stock because we saw Dabo have to pay up for that. And he was like, oh, no, this is my moment. Now, now I, I've been talking like this. Now, it's like Jackie, corn dogs for everybody. I mean, he was like, pizza for all of Death Valley? Oh, no. <laughs> so there's this little, I'll let you guys in on this now that we're 12 weeks in. There's this little thing. Chip gets all this heat for keeping Clemson ranked high. But nobody asked me, and all this time I had Clemson ranked higher than Chip did. So I just laugh at Chip in the group chat. I'm like, Chip's getting all this crap for loving on Clemson. Meanwhile, today, entering the week, I had Clemson as my number seven power-rated team because oh, yeah, of the I've, defense. I've always had them high in my power rankings. I was just never keeping them high in my like ballots because right. I mean, yeah, they were losing games, but I mean, you line them up on a neutral field like. The teams mm -hmm. I'm picking over Clemson, there's like five or six, and that's it. Yeah, there's a reason they were favored over Wake today, and it's yeah. not exactly a shock the way that that game went. Because like we even said, the reason I took the over was like, finally, Clemson's offense is going to have a good day. And it did, because it was facing Wake Forest's defense. And I thought Dave Clawson had a good game plan. That game was still pretty close right around halftime. He said, they are short on depth. We just have to put as many snaps as possible in this game. And the problem was putting as many snaps as possible in the game meant putting Wake's defense back out on the field for more snaps. And Bo Collins, the freshman from California, had an absolute ball picking on some of these Wake Forest defensive backs. I Here's the deal in the ACC and what seems significant to me. Uh, Pitt outlasted UVA. Brennan Armstrong played, brought a ton of fight to the game. Pitt had answers at every turn. They win 48-38. Very fun, very, very fun game. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, I'm sure the ACC Network will replay it at some point this week. Go ahead and, and catch it, record it. Uh, that's set. Pitt's going to represent the Coastal. In the Atlantic, right now Clemson's in the barn at 6-2, and two, leader in the clubhouse. Wake Forest has one conference loss. If it beats Boston College in Boston or in Chestnut Hill, then Wake Forest wins the Atlantic for the first time since 2006. If Wake Forest loses... Then all of a sudden, we start to enter the potential three-way tie territory. Three-way tie between Wake Forest, Clemson, and NC State, which plays North Carolina on Friday night at 6-2. and two. Do y'all know who ends up winning it? Clemson. NC State. Oh. NC State, if it, if it beats North Carolina, and if Wake Forest loses, 
than NC State because Wake Forest's losses are both to division opponents in the scenario where Wake Forest loses to Boston College. So the three-team tie has to become a two-team tie before we pick a winner. So in a three-team tie between Wake Forest, Clemson, and NC State, Wake Forest gets eliminated first because it has more division losses than NC State beats Clemson because of a head-to-head. All right. Are you confused yet? I think I got I got it. one for you. Is it the Big Ten West? Yeah. If if Go. Minnesota beats Wisconsin next week and Iowa beats Nebraska and Purdue beats Indiana, we have a four-way tie for first with all four teams at six and three in conference play. And I have no damn idea which one of them wins the tiebreaker. <laughs> oh, I do. Minnesota. Our Minnesota side, Gophers 24-7, is all over this. Minnesota has the tiebreakers in that situation. If they beat Wisconsin and Purdue knocks off Indiana and Iowa and Nebraska beats Iowa, it is going to be Ohio State. Or well, I shouldn't say Ohio State yet, but I will. It'll be Ohio State, Ohio State. versus Minnesota <laughs> in the Big Ten title game. <sighs> For all the marbles. Would oh, you want to be would you want to be Wake Forest right now? Going and by the way, the kickoff got announced tonight too. It's going to be a noon kickoff in Chestnut Hill against Boston College. Boston College team that I don't know, man. The, the loss today against Florida State looked like it had some stuff kind of in and around that game. I don't know where, and that game was also uh, up in Chestnut Hill too, right? So second straight home game, Wake Forest coming to town. You just lost to Florida State. Wake's playing with all the pressure. That's a big ask for uh, the Demon Deacons. It's a good thing they're all 27 years old. Otherwise, I'd really be worried about their maturity in that kind of situation. I think Wake will get them. Like I, I got to see Boston College today. I know this is very ACC heavy talk. We we did talk back to first tonight. By the way, we should point that out uh, <laughs> over and over again. Hi Twitter. So I think BC's defensive speed on the back end is a little bit suspect, and they don't have the guys up front on the defensive line to do to Cle- to do to Wake what Clemson did to Wake. So I think this will be one of those games where Wake can go and get its forty or fifty. And BC. Might not be able to keep up. FSU might have done Wake a favor. They beat Jerkovic like crazy today. I mean, just it was Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas and those guys. And and I was shocked he stayed in the game. He played his butt off, man. Like that guy, that guy is is you know like been a Roethlisberger size and was really taking some shots. BC's not bad. They're definitely improved with Jerkovic. I, I I was a little bit surprised they didn't have a second option at receiver. I mean, it was Zay wow. Flowers or nothing, right? You know, and I, I I knew their numbers reflected that. I just wasn't sure if that was like, hey, they really don't have anything else at receiver other than Zay Flowers, or if it was more like they played Grossell for eight games this year and Dracovic for for four. So maybe some of the numbers are depressed, but no, it was really Flowers or nothing. And Long was the name of the tight end last year. That was the balance. It was because yeah. you had like tight end for short and intermediate stuff and then flowers to to get everything deep uh provided a little bit of balance uh before we get because you 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 did threaten us we got a little bit to uh to ACC there uh for the people but we did talk talk Pac-12 first hi haters uh NC State solid win 41-17 take care of business against Syracuse keep yourself in the ACC Atlantic race that game was very very sluggish to start and Remember we said the Louisville game sluggish to start, then Wolfpack kind of hit the gas. NC State did it this time before halftime. You know, they take a game that was uh, 0-0 early on. It's 28-7 at halftime, and they kind of defend it the rest of that way with that defense. Um, Texas is bowl ineligible after taking its seventh loss of the season. 
what's uh, what what are some of the surprises what stands out to y'all uh what what are the places we want to turn the spotlight before we get out of here Chip? I, oh sorry go ahead tom i was gonna say i was somewhat surprised that alabama had as much trouble with arkansas as it did yeah i bama's defense just doesn't seem to be clicking enough now i know that arkansas hit a ridiculous uh you know fake field goal for a touchdown did you see that yes, yes. that was, was pretty awesome cool play like using and, the referee as his pick. The tight end used the referee to set a pick. Yeah. That was, that was amazing. Good design. There was some questionable officiating in that game. Yeah. There's there was questionable. You know, it turns out there was questionable officiating all over the country today in all sorts of different games because that's the situation every damn weekend. I don't uh I don't like harp on the refs with FSU very often. Um, and I really just think it kind of like destroys the show. I could have done 30 minutes on, on it today on Nullcast. Like they FSU probably should have won by like 17 and they had to fight for their life. It, it, if you go back and watch that, it is crazy. Uh, Norvell probably won't say anything about it because they won, but there's a lot of bad officiating there. I, I agree. Um, I saw a roughing the passer called against Illinois on a play in which the ball was snapped to the Iowa State quarterback. He handed off to a wide receiver running a fly sweep who then tossed it back to another receiver running a reverse. So it was like the Philly special. And then he threw to the quarterback and he got hit as he was throwing and they called roughing the passer, even though the player was a wide receiver and the third person to touch the ball and nobody questioned it. Um, How about the the punt in South Carolina? Did you guys see that? Mm -mm. Oh, well, they overturned where it touched Auburn's knee or whatever. They overturned with really no actual like it was nowhere close to inconclusive. No, at all. And then they said it touched Auburn, South Carolina ball. South Carolina kneels it out and, and gets the dub to go bowling. Let's do a show bet. Brian Harson does not last more than two years at Auburn. Anybody want to take a year three on Harson? Because I'll take two and under. No, because I we talked about this in the text today, too. He might be gone this year. Yeah, I think that. He's somebody who might be interested in Washington, and I think Washington might be interested in him. But, of course, there is the whole vaccine thing where we don't know if he's gotten it or not, and Washington's not going to hire a coach that hasn't gotten it because they can't because we just saw what happened at Washington State. But I I think that he'd be somebody on the list if he does. Yeah, I mean, like that that Auburn call was was pretty egregious. Uh, Also, as somebody who had over 45 – how many chances did they have to get me to over 45 tonight and just lost that? That and I had a winning day, but holy cow, that was annoying. Um man. Was there favorite, any calls we missed? Um no, no, no. I've I've got I, I want to point to my favorite win of the day. My favorite win of, of all college football here on Saturday is Louisiana 42, Liberty 14. Oh, smoked them. Because <laughs> Liberty was a four-point favorite. And the Raging Cajuns came in. Oh, they took that personally. And Billy Napier may or may not have, you know, invited Whit Babcock to come and, uh, you know, just make the short drive from Blacksburg to Lynchburg. Just come on down, check things out. Just, you know, feel each other out. And there was no distraction. No, that was actually a killer job interview of a win for Billy Napier, who very plainly laid out all of the ass-kicking that a Billy Napier coach team could do how complete and thorough it could be, and um, it, more importantly, for a Raging Cajuns team that has had the division wrapped up for a very long time, as we've talked about before, 
gets them in good form heading into the Sunbelt Championship game. They beat App State at home earlier this season, but winning again in the Sunbelt Championship game is going to require uh, a, a strong level of play. And so I think Louisiana, to have this kind of win against a seven-win Liberty team uh, with everything swirling around was awesome. Uh, UCLA putting up 62 on the board against USC. That was a, a very, very quick reversal from a slow start. Dorian Thompson Robinson was an absolute monster and UCLA in general was like, Oh, we're just going to be able to, to run the ball and we're just going to continually move the ball on the ground against you. You're not going to stop us. And the more we snap it, the less you're going to care and good on chip Kelly on a check Saturday to, uh, to get it done and uh, get the Bruins that big win in the rivalry game. You know, that who was else like, had a pretty good. Oh, sorry. you know, you know who else had a pretty good job interview for Virginia tech today? Mike Houston. I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen it. I've heard his name mentioned as a possibility for that job, but he hasn't been mentioned as often as a lot of the other candidates. But you look at what he's doing at ECU. You look at what he was able to do at James Madison, the Citadel. He's familiar with the territory. He's taken ECU. They went one and seven in conference his first season, three and five last year during COVID. They're five and two now, and they've got Cincinnati next week. If they go and beat Cincinnati, I think Mike Houston could be your Virginia Tech coach next season. Especially if TCU gets Napier. Mm-hmm. I thought TCU was going to get Sonny Dykes. I do too, but it's who knows at this point. I, I feel like, and this is just me, this is not information, but I feel like watching SMU the last couple of weeks at times, it's like... Looks like the team knows. Well, yeah. so last week when Louisiana didn't cover, right, I had somebody DM me and be like, why'd you bet Louisiana? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, because my numbers said to. They're like, Bro, Napier TCU, man, like total distraction. It's like, oh, I didn't realize that was going on. So I don't know if he interviewed or or whatnot, but um, I would you rather have Napier or would you rather have Sonny Dykes? Napier. I, I would rather have Napier, but Napier. while I'm wearing so this too. beautiful so. Fiorentina kit, Forza Viola, after the big win against AC Milan. Uh, I would rather have Napier. I'm not. I'm not a TCU person. I'm not the Texas person who's going to say like that. I have these relationships with Sonny Dykes or these people that I have relationships with or these boosters that are very influential in our program. That they've got relationships with the relationships with people who are close to Sonny Dykes. So if they hire Sonny Dykes, it makes more Texas sense to me than it does football sense. Because if I'm building a program here in 2021, I draft Billy Napier to go be the head coach of Chip Patterson University. I will say, like, disclaimer, 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 coaching hires almost never work out like we think they will. They're much harder to, pre- to, to predict. I don't think there's, like, a massive gap between Dykes and Napier. There could be. But, like, I, both, I'm sure, are fine choices. Mm. I, guess. I mean, I, I listen, I'm not going to. I don't know. <laughs> Probably Napier. Sure thing. No doubt. Home run hire. Grand slam. <laughs> uh. Tom, you got anything? Else? Oh, hey, 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 hey. I know I'm not going to do a mystery team on this one because uh, when you're winning 45 to nothing at halftime, the only reason we're not talking about you is because there was another team winning 49 to nothing at halftime. And Notre Dame is just hoping no one looks at them. Notre Dame doesn't want anyone to talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame would love to just be 11 and one sitting on the couch eating chips, watching college football, conference championship games, and rooting for chaos because 
the profile, when you look back at it, especially the results over the back half of the season, you're going to be like, man, I, I kind of think Notre Dame is one of the best one-loss teams in the country. And, you know, you're not even going to think about where Georgia Tech is or was at this point in the season. You're just going to see 55 to nothing. You're going to be like, wow, that's a, that's a really impressive win. Yeah, the, the forgotten playoff contender was the forgotten team for me today because I didn't see a single snap of the game. And I appreciate Notre Dame completely dominating Georgia Tech because it was like, uh, should probably go check out this. Oh, oh no, I don't need to check out that game. <laughs> uh, also, shout to uh, UTSA. I made the the brief reference to them earlier, but uh, eleven and zero now. Uh, touchdown with four seconds left to win 34-31 against UAB. Uh, interesting little twist here. UTSA, though 11-0 now, 10-0 going into the game, had it lost, could have missed out on a chance to compete for a conference championship. Mm-hmm. So kind of sneaky, massive uh, result in terms of bringing hardware home from this really good season. Roadrunners are stronger than dragons. Roadrunners are stronger than dragons. Uh, another uh oh, more Pac-12 minute talk. I got a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Cal beat Stanford forty-one to eleven. Is David Shaw in any kind of trouble? Do you think? No, but I think he might have to make a coaching change or two because, like, Cal ran for three forty on thirty-two carries. That's like ten points something a carry. Mm-hmm. How many did Garbers have? I don't know, but. I mean, I, I can look it up real fast. It was just I every time I, I I was flipping back and forth to that game, and every time it's just like I don't, first of all I don't know why I'm flipping back and forth to it, but it was just it was not a very entertaining game from the little I saw. The Talk- early signing period has crippled them, by the way, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we are four years removed now from the onset of the early signing period, whose first class was in 2018. I think you can directly trace their downfall to that. They oftentimes do not give admission uh, or, you know, like acceptance to kids until after that happened. There's a reason why David Shaw was campaigning so hard. Like he was by, if you, you guys covered this thing, you, you've been mm-hmm. in the game as long as I, like longer than I have. He was the most vocal guy out there against in opposition yeah. to, to the early signing period. I think the reason is, is he saw, he saw the writing on the wall. They don't get players. Garbers rushed for 59 yards. Cal had 352 on 34 carries. Marcel Dancy had four carries for 92 yards and two touchdowns. So he was working pretty hard. Who did not average more than five yards a carry for Cal? Uh, Ashton Ashton Stradrick, you idiot. (laughs) Take away his scholarship. (laughs) Only four yards per carry. Wow. If you give up 636 yards to Cal. Yeah. Cal doesn't do that in three games sometimes. Like like that. That's <laughs> yeah. The, and and McKee played. That's the other. That's the other thing here. Mm, like, no, they were it, it, they were terrible. They were awful. And that's the Stanford team that Notre Dame's playing next week, right? Yeah, Notre Dame's gonna win another game. They're gonna be up forty-five to nothing at halftime again. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Preposterous. Did we mention like Georgia Tech's not gonna open, right? No, it might. See, really? th- this was that was no. proposed in our Slack today too, and there are a few people in there who were like, "No, no way in hell." And then there, I was on the side where you are, Chip. It's like it might, which if, I think is my answer to every single question about every coaching job now. If is a coaching gonna get fired? I don't know. They might be, I, but it's. I don't think it's impossible, especially with the way 
they got their ass handed to them today. And if it goes again badly next week against Georgia and spoiler alert, I think it probably will. I don't know. We'll see. Um, if they played again today, we're taking Vandy to beat Stanford, right? Yes. And yeah, Stanford beat after. them by 18 in Nashville like two months ago. Right. 31-17 uh, Ole Miss. Night. Yeah, did not get the cover against the doors. Love to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas, let's, let's, let's sort of wrap it, I guess, on this. I, I don't have any expectation that anything dramatic or fun or like pleasurable is ahead in the Longhorns future. I mean, I guess they're going to turn very quickly to recruit as aggressively as possible and secure the best signing class to change the narrative and the headlines and just sort of the vibes around the direction of the Steve Sarkeesian program. 31-23, shout out to the ears, keeping that bowl hope alive. Texas falls to four and seven. Uh, by the way, West Virginia at Kansas, not a gimme. TCU had to scrap a little bit for that dub, but uh, West Virginia, if it can pick up that win in Lawrence, will be bowling uh, under Neil Brown for the Longhorns. Like, is it is it an afterthought for you as as we sort of move through these closing uh, frames of the 2021 regular season? You mean just Texas in general or? Texas football, are you anticipating us like talking about them or them being particularly relevant? Are there going to be any it, massive transfers? I mean, I don't even know who on the list oh, would I'm, constitute massive transfer. Bijan could go somewhere. Yeah. Are, there Bijan leaves, fired? yeah. are there going to be any you know, assistant changes? Like, is there going to be anything that's going to make Texas a story other than securing a good recruiting class? And I haven't checked up on that, but to me, that seems like the next time that now that Texas is four and seven, I feel like the next time that we're talking about Texas is talking about how important whatever class they sign is to trying to reverse how poorly the season went. The next time we talk about Texas is when they're number 22 in the preseason AP poll next season. <laughs> the, the problem I think Texas has, right, is that it fired Tom Herman because of some culture stuff and because they were not winning in the biggest games and they were losing some games they didn't think they should lose. Like It wasn't a complete disaster, but there were some disastrous moments. And you bring in a guy who's a very good scheme guy who, who just you know got through the Nick Saban. Uh, probably shouldn't use the term rehab with with, with Sark, but like the you know Nick Saban career rehabilitation. Yeah, finishing school. There we go. But if you hire that guy, and then you figure out what you actually have in your hands is a legitimate rebuild, teardown type thing that you need from the ground up. You need to kind of evaluate to figure out if he's the guy who can do that. He's a really good offensive play caller. Is he the guy who can rebuild a program if you have to tear it down? I don't know. I'm not saying he can't, but I'm definitely not saying that he can't. I don't know if he can do that. I also don't know if Texas is going to have the patience for that. Um, if he doesn't get a turnaround in a hurry, are they really going to stick with him when they move to the SEC? Probably mm. not. Yeah, I, I think that's probably some unfortunate circumstance going on there. And I think, they, I think part of that is on Texas for misvaluating its own situation. Are, are you just anti-pole assassin? It sounds like you don't want the pole assassin to thrive. I'm going to let it play out in the courts. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to speak on ongoing litigation. <laughs> the pole, pole assassin could be thriving at the SEC championship game, but Cover 3 podcast doesn't want to see it. 
Do you think, oh, what if, should Pole Assassin be at like SEC Media Days the first year that Texas is there? Yes. Absolutely. If we've got Ringhead, we can have Pole Assassin. Pole Assassin just hanging out with Fine Bomb, just, you know, talking about stuff. Pole Assassin putting on clinics. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've, listen, all of us in the media could use some work on core strength, and the Pole Assassin's got some core strength. You have to in that line of work. Yeah, I'm I mean, just saying, like if if well, I, I'm I'm on this like basic plank activity, you know, I'm I'm sure there's some other stuff I could do to really round out my core. Pole assassin can teach me these things. Are you doing the side planks too? <laughs> Listen, she's a phenomenal. Yeah, leaks? absolutely. It's okay. difficult. You know, <laughs> it is. I'm not, yeah, no, it is. I'd rather like lift actual weights than do those, but because they're easier. Uh, <laughs> the weights the weights not the planks we we will be uh, any, anything else before we wrap this up i've got one thing okay uh butch davis was weak today mm. i mean we've talked about you know i i understand his frustrations but did you see what he wore he didn't uh, wear any fiu gear navy. he was wearing a navy gear which fine but that was just to hide because that way, when he gets questioned about not wearing FIU gear, you could say, I'm just honoring the troops in the Navy. He was hiding. That was That's BS. Because like you've still got players on that team, on that sideline, and you're literally just telling them you don't give the slightest of dams. And if that's the case, then just don't coach the game. Yeah. I, it was That was weak. That was weak. Tom, weak. Uh, sh sh Chicago question here. Sure. Is Fitz, is Fitz going to be forced to make some staff changes? I don't know. I mean, I feel like, especially now that Jim Phillips is gone, I feel like Fitz kind of runs that athletic department. So I that, that might not be a fair thing to say. I might get yelled at for that. But I just think that, like, I don't think Fitz really ever feels pressure to do anything. Honestly, I think that they've kind of handed the keys to that thing to him. He's done such a great job with it that they're just going to trust him to fix what's right and, or fix what's wrong. And we've seen with Northwestern, like they bounce back from years like this pretty quickly and put up good years out of nowhere. So I would say after this season, no. If the problems are the same next season, yeah. Can I give a shout out? Yeah. No. That's what, that's what I said. I said anything Old else Dominion. before we wrap up here. Old Dominion might go to a bowl, guys. Like, I did not correctly predict part of the Qs had just fallen crazily apart and Old Dominion being part of that. They're like, they're legitimately improved. They looked okay today. Middle Tennessee only scored 17 points. They get Charlotte next week, and Charlotte is every bit as bad on defense as I thought they were. Um, they could go to a bowl. I wouldn't take some shame in that because if I remember correctly, it was a principal play where you just said, I'm looking at these teams who didn't play last year and I'm just <laughs> saying under. Okay. So you weren't even necessarily fading Ricky Ronnie. You weren't even necessarily disrespecting the Ronnie family. Well, he also never else, been a head coach. coaching yeah. staff. You know, you were just like, you know what? They didn't play last year. I don't think they will meet the numbers expectations. I understand that. And listen, when we talk about these wind unders, the, the, glory that is the wonder you got to play them all but the yeah. only way that you hit 60 percent is if you play every single one of them when they hit big 12 unders today 100 under yeah it wasn't even that windy in all of them no, no. we it was windy in norman 
shout out um, to uh, the giant man child Braylon Allen at Wisconsin who had another huge day. He's he's seventeen. He's still only seventeen, and he's a giant, and he's really hard to tackle, and he's very fast. And he was actually a linebacker in high school, but then his season was canceled because of COVID. He ends up at Wisconsin, and he's a running back now. And he's a really good running back, and he should have been their starting running back from the first game of the season. And if he had been, they might still be alive in the playoff race, but they are still alive for the Big Ten West. And also shout out to Nebraska for once again looking 95% competent and 5% dumb. In a Did Frost do anything in this game, Tom, like to to screw them over no. to set up the close loss like, like, like he did against uh, Ohio State? There wasn't any glaring admissions, but there was one moment where I think the game was pretty much over, but he got like a personal foul called on him for screaming at the officials. And I think it's like there's a part of me. It's like I completely understand the frustration. But when you've been coaching a team for a few years that is constantly picking up dumb penalties and doing not having discipline and then you're picking up personal fouls because you can't keep from screaming at the official. Maybe think about that for a little bit. That your, your children's behavior might be reflecting the parenting that's going on right now. It's like that old, like, Oh, this is going to show my age, but it's like that old commercial from like the eighties where like the father discovers like pot in his son's bedroom. And he's like, who taught you how to do this stuff? And the son's like, you, all right. I learned it from watching you, Scott Frost. Your players might be learning it from watching you. Oh man. I, I told, I told my son tonight he could have a cookie if he could, if he could spell his name. Right. And then he, he just wanted to play with construction trucks. And, and then Maggie came and gave him a cookie anyway. And I was like, at least we got to try. Like, let's, <laughs> let's try this. Like, come on, man. Let's try to set the example. Uh, shouts Craig Bowl for making a bowl. Mm-hmm. They, they, they crushed Utah State today. That's a bad loss for Utah State. Utah State thankfully has the head-to-head win against Air Force, which also had a massive win uh, this weekend, right? Air Force beat Nevada in triple overtime. Yep. Um, shocking. I lost an under that went to yeah. triple overtime. I know that was a bad beat, but that's so that means that we are we've got a three way tie for first place going into the final week of the regular season with Boise State, Utah State, and Air Force. Everybody's at five and two. Utah State has a win over Air Force, Boise State has a win over Utah State, and Air Force has the win over Boise, right? Mm-hmm. That's not right. Yeah, yes. So everybody's beat everyone. Open up your, open up to page uh, one forty seven. We'll find we'll find out what the tiebreakers are in the Mountain West's Mountain Division. Also, shout out to Harvard for beating those ner- nerds from Yale. Boo! Those are close. Team Yale. Thirty four, thirty one. Harvard in the oh. in the nerd bowl. In the Yale bowl, Harvard <laughs> students even rushed the field, and it. I mean, listen, I've seen some poor rushing of the fields. Uh, in these games, it's disappointing. It was really disappointing. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bounce back. Shout out to Akron for helping a Kent State game go under with a <laughs> solid zero points today. And their quarterback had 100 yards, so probably not uh, not great overall stuff. Shout out to the three of us for cashing our Auburn under seven and a half wins ticket from the preseason lock spot there we go shane this is why you're the nicest guy in college football mm-hmm. you know it's, it's because you always introduce yourself and it's because you help us bring home those auburn under tickets 
Thank you, Shane. Additional shout out here. Yes. Shout out Chip Patterson going just absolutely insane on the sprinkles, buddy. Yeah. Whew. Mizzou, South Carolina, and Colorado. Colorado. Yep. I mean, did All any three. of them sound crazy when I said them? Plus 200 something, too. No. Yeah. No, none of them sounded crazy. It's just still hitting all three of them. That's that should have been your parlay on HQ this morning, dummy. Why didn't Did you, you do parlay that? those? No, of course not. <laughs> that would be some serious recreation. They, yeah, they asked me for the the parlay pick on CBS Sports HQ, and I don't I don't have parlays. High volume shooter. Each shot is the same. <laughs> Snap and clear, baby. You take the shot and you forget about it. We're on to the next one, and. I just make him up and I'm like, all right, guys, it's going to be a rivalry game under. We're going to do UCLA, USC, UCLA. We're going to do just I lined up a whole bunch of unders and asked them to figure out what the payout was. It didn't cash. Well, you don't know why? Because UCLA put six. Like covered the over on themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dorian Thompson Robinson took care of that for me. Anyway. All right. Oh, uh, final shout out. Shout out to South Alabama for playing very hard tonight. Against. <laughs> I'm not mentioning no, don't mention who, just because there's certain commenters who are mad we hadn't mentioned that team. So shout out to South Alabama. Good job. Yeah, I, I really I really think that, that their their coach is doing a great job there, by mm-hmm. the way. Pretty solid. The Jaguars team. or the team that the Jaguars played? The Jaguars. Yeah, Kane Womack doing the a great job. The guy who came from Indiana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing a nice job there. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, we will be back with you next week looking ahead to week 13. It's a holiday season. Schedule will be a little bit different uh, to stay posted on all that. Follow the Cover 3 podcast on Twitter at Cover 3 Podcast. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See y'all. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.